This is The Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. This is the Scott Service Show presented by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett. Joining us now to kick off the dugout, it is the skipper, Scott Service. Scott, how's it going? I'm doing okay. We are settled in over here in Baltimore, about 90 degrees tonight, so uh, get ready to go play the Orioles. <laughs> Gosh. Well, before we uh, look ahead to the Orioles, I wanted to talk about this series against the Astros, which congratulations, the Mariners took two of three. I mean, I was there at the game Friday, Jake was there Saturday, two phenomenal performances. How did it feel to see that offense get going? Whoa, 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 whoa. One of you came Friday, one of you came Saturday, and we had a really good result, so nobody shows up Sunday? Well, no one gave – I mean, hello. I mean, Scott, if you could, you know, facilitate. I'm just saying that every game that I've been to the Diamond Club, <laughs> the Mariners have hit four home runs. I, so. I, you got the wrong guy. You need to talk to John Stanton if you want the Diamond Club tickets. <laughs> My, I'm just saying it's up, uh, up a little higher. It's a very interesting <laughs> interesting correlation, but every game I've been to, the Mariners fit four home runs. We'll say that. I, so. I was wondering how she was going to work this in, Scott. I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when it was coming. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, talk to the folks over there at uh, T-Mobile, but especially, you know, John Stanton can take care of that. I'm pretty sure he can take care of that. <laughs> yeah, I'll shoot him a text. Well, also, one other correlation that, you know, may or may not have been a bigger factor than Stacy and I's attendance uh, or what seats we were in attendance in uh, was the fact that Kyle Lewis was there, and he had, a, he had a pretty good couple days there in that series. Did he not? He did, yeah. Kyle looked great. And, uh, you know, it's great to have him back. It really changes the dynamic of our lineup. Uh, obviously, it gets much longer and, you know, we've kind of got him hitting in that, you know, down six seventh right now just to get him going, um, getting comfortable, whatever. And it's been great. He swung the bat really well. Um, you know, he did get hit by that pitch uh, later in the game on Saturday. And it's one of the reasons he wasn't in the game on Sunday and, and really wasn't available. So we'll see how he is today. Yeah, certainly everybody's going to be anxious to see how he's doing. But, Scott, I mean, you look at his performances and those two absolute bombs that he hit, uh, what does that tell you about his just overall talent and ability? Well, Kyle's, Kyle's very talented. We all know that. We saw it play out, you know, in his rookie of the year season, and we've missed him. You know, I think when you have a guy that does can do the things he can do in the batter's box, you know, he's got a chance to impact the game uh, every time he steps up to the plate. So, um, you know, it's exciting to have him back. Like I said, it, it kind of, you know, gets our lineup a little bit deeper. It's a real th- another threat in our lineup that can really hit the ball out of the ballpark to any part of the park. It doesn't really matter who's pitching. So he's got that kind of bat speed, and we've missed him. So, again, hopefully he's okay. We can get him in, back in there tonight and, and get off to a good start on this road trip. Hey, Skip, uh, our producer, Curtis Rogers, says that uh, Ty France is full stop, the most underrated hitter in MLB. Would you agree? I I may jump into the same bucket. I don't think he gets enough credit. Uh, he is having a fantastic season and just continues to get better. Uh, I think his teams now, obviously, when you know we do the same thing. When you're looking at the opposing club, you look at the you know who might be the top two or three players. How you want to those guys get paid so much attention to because we don't want this guy to beat us or you know if we get up in a critical spot, let's work around this guy and. I'm sure teams look at our our club and they, they think that about Ty France, and he still finds a way to get it done. And It's been awesome to watch him play and, and the adjustments he's made uh, over time, but 
this guy can just flat out hit. You know, the, the bat stays in the zone for so long. He's able to cover so many different pitches, uh, you know, the breaking balls and, you know, the fastballs. It doesn't really matter what they throw. If it's a good pitch, he usually gets a good swing on it. Skip, one of the other things that was really good to see in this in this series against a really talented lineup in the Houston Astros was the pitching and starting pitching, the performances of Flexen, Gilbert, and Marco to be able to not just you know work it and keep you guys in it and close, no question, but also the ability to get you guys deeper into the game and save that bullpen a little bit. How big was that for you guys over the course of this series? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't think it got enough credit you know over the weekend and. Now, our starting pitching is solid. It really is. And when these guys get rolling, they have the ability to do that. And, and we saw it play out, you know, seven innings out of each of the guys, um, you know, over the weekend against an awesome lineup. I mean, the Astros are as deep as any lineup that we're going to face. But the key to it all is that these guys are just pounding the strike zone. Uh, they were landing their secondary pitches and really working. You know, we kind of saw the best version of all the guys, you know, in their particular outings. And I thought Flex was really sharp. Logan wasn't as sharp. But Logan has just learned how to, you know, work his way through lineups, and it's not quite there early in the game. Find a way to get deep in the game, and Marco's changeup. I've just been raving about it all year, and it showed up again the other day. It's just a huge pitch for him. It allows him to slow down other lineups and then work his fastball off of that. So, you know, a lot of good things going on in our starting rotation. We send George Kirby out there tonight, and looking for him to give us a, a deep outing as well. Tell us a bit about the Orioles. What kind of club you facing here? Uh, they're underrated. Uh, they're playing very well. Um, you know, they just got done winning two out of four against the Red Sox over at Fenway Park. They won last night's game 10 to nothing. Um, there are some names in their lineup that aren't household names, so to speak. Uh, they did just call up the number one pick in the draft a couple of years ago, uh, the, the young switching catcher from Oregon State, uh, Ellie Rushman, and, and he is a <laughs> pretty dynamic player from his ability to impact the game behind the plate to the switch hit ability. So, they're young, they're getting much better, and their bullpen is pretty solid as well, as I've <laughs> looked through video and kind of anticipating what might happen this series. So this won't be an easy one, uh, for sure. And, you know, when you have a lot of guys that you don't have, you know, a lot of history with or a ton of scouting reports on, you know, you've got to be able to adjust on the fly, and, and I know our guys are capable of doing that. So it's, it's, a, it's an important series for us to build off the momentum we, we created last weekend at home. You know, Skip, one of the things that was interesting to watch, especially against Verlander, was how aggressive your lineup was uh, trying to take advantage of, you know, first pitch strikes and, and all of that. Is that something that you guys have tried to make that adjustment overall, is, or is that a game-to-game adjustment based off the matchup? Well, it can be game-to-game, but I think what we're learning about our team is, you know, we do have like the second youngest position player group in baseball. And I think with younger players getting their ability to play out, they are better when they're attacking and when they're in aggressive mode. Now, understanding we don't want to go up there and just swing at every first pitch. And, and a couple of our really young guys started doing that and kind of pulled back the reins a little bit. Julio was some kind of aggressive, <laughs> you know, if you let him go. So, you know, understanding who's pitching, understanding the, the situation. But I do think our team with that mindset plays much better. So, you know, hopefully we stay with it. You know, when you when you get your pitch to hit, put a good swing on it. The key to, you know, the Verlander game and, you know, the other games against the Astros, and we're getting our pitch to hit early in the count, we're putting it in play. Uh, we weren't fouling it off. And when you start fouling pitches off or, you know, you're kind of in between, is it going to be a fastball, break ball, you know, and that's when you start getting behind in the count and getting in, you know, you know, just not advantageous spots for hitters. They just don't do damage in those counts. So 
our guys you know, will stay aggressive. Uh, when you get your pitch to hit, square it up, put it in play. Skip, I've got a non-baseball question for you. Oh um, <laughs> uh, I I just went and saw Top Gun over the weekend, the new Top Gun. Oh. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, and I wanted to ask you if you had your chance to see it. You're a busy guy and everything else, so I'm assuming the answer is no. And if not, are, are, are you a Top Gun fan? Well, the original Top Gun, absolutely. That was back in my, my heyday. <laughs> a little bit younger, but uh, I am looking forward to seeing it. We'll check it out. I, I think, you know, we had the off-day in Baltimore. I heard a couple of our, of our guys were going to go check it out, so I'm sure there'll be some talk about it in the clubhouse today and when we get in there. But uh, I, I am looking forward to seeing it. Don't have many off days, and uh, we did have one in Baltimore yesterday, so myself and a couple of coaches got a chance to go out and play golf, which was great. Nice. It was a lot of fun. And Like I said, it was Sunny and about 92 here yesterday, and we're looking at the same kind of weather today. So starting to heat up, which is a good thing, and hopefully it starts to heat up in Seattle as well. If you're Mav, who's your goose? Like, who's your oh, guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. I, I, I don't even know what I'd tell you on that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of, you know, coaches and uh, – you know, Manny Act has been with me since I've been a Mariner. And he actually, Manny and I have known each other for, gosh, almost 30 years. Wow. Um, you know, so I, I guess, you know, we're, we're come from some di- such different backgrounds. But, um, you know, we, we have a good relationship. We really trust each other. So I guess on the coaching staff, it would be Manny and, or, or Carson Vitale. He's the other guy that kind of, even though he, again, much younger and less experienced, he looks at things through a little bit different lens which I think is important, uh, you know, having those people around you because they can sometimes fill in the gaps maybe when you're not as strong in certain areas. And so what we try to do here is put people around me that will help me out and yeah. help me make good decisions. Do you appreciate me letting you be Mav in this case? Because I think that that's... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes, Stacey. You know, there's not a call that we've had over the years where you don't throw the crazy question out at me. So I should be I should be more prepared, ready to go. I just never know what bucket you're going to jump I try to keep you on your toes, Scott. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right, we're we're gonna wrap up here pretty soon, but uh, obviously, you know, we've we've um, talked to you about this all year, and it's not been exactly the start to the season you've wanted, even though you've had some highs, and some of those have come uh, of late, which is really exciting. If you look at this club and and your club, Scott, is there an area where you look at it and you say, you know what, the arrow is pointing up here, and I'm feeling excited about that? Yeah, I think looking at our team, I, I am excited about you know, the direction our starting pitching is heading. Um, and, you know, for the most part of the season, I know everybody wants to, you know, get on our offense and we haven't been consistent and all that other stuff. But, you know, you look at the, the overall body of work, it, it has been – it hasn't been off the chart great. It hasn't been just terrible. It's kind of been middle of the pack, which is – you know, I look at those two areas and, and, you know, where we're at as a ball club, we really have room to get better. And I talked about this all year last year, mm-hmm. and I'm going to start – beating the drum on this again, if we continue to focus on just getting better. And I thought that's where our focus was when we come into the last series against the Astros. Certainly we didn't play good against Oakland. We needed to get better. And our guys knew that. But focusing on, on just getting better in everybody's, you know, whatever their their individual area is and what they need to do to help the ball club out is really where our focus needs to be. And that's what I've, I've, I've hammered with our, our coaching staff is we've got to just keep coaching. You know, we got to coach better. We've got to manage better. We've got to play a little bit better. But – I do see Arrow pointed up with our starting pitching. And when you have consistent starting pitching, that's when you can, you know, put together a, a good streak, so to speak. You know, and I'm not saying you're going to win seven or eight in a row, but 
you're in 10 consecutive games in a row. And if you know you're in those tight games, then it comes down to getting a big hit late in the game, making a big play. And we certainly have the guys that can do that. So I am excited about the direction of our starting pitching. And and those guys, they're all a little bit different. Mm. But I think they're all very capable of going deep in the ball game and giving us a chance to win every night. That's all you can really ask for. Well said. Good stuff. As always, he is the skipper, Scott Service. Scott, we obviously wish you the best on this road trip, and we hope you get uh, some time off to go catch a movie or relax just a little bit. It's a long season. We've enjoyed talking to you You're going to love it, Scott. I promise. I (laughs) promise. Bye, Skip. Sounds good. good. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Now, before we get to MLB headlines, Jake, how many more people are you going to tell to go watch Top Gun? Well, I've already told you. I told Scott. Yeah. Uh, I told Curtis. Yeah. Um, and I, and I've told yet? our I, I've told our entire audience. Uh, hey, Lefko, have have you? Uh, he's not even listening yeah, to us right busy now. Doing his job. There. Yeah. He's he's trying to produce for Wyman and Bob. Okay. I, I guess okay. you know whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean honestly, it's just it's a great time. It's a it's a it's a good film. Like you will go there and be just if you want a good entertaining experience. I mean everything entertainment emotion, all of it. Mm-hmm. Stacy, it's mm-hmm. it's right there. Let's get to MLB oh, headlines. Come on. Taking a look around the league. We will start with this one. Derek Jeter has finally joined social media. Uh, as of April okay, 2022, <laughs> uh, he is uh, talking about the Twitter. most boring social media feed possible. This is Derek Six Jeter. hours ago, six hours ago, someone said, Derek Jeter has no excuse not to have a Twitter account by now. He retweeted it. That tweet, by the way, was from 2014. He said, looks like I've officially run out of excuses. Okay. Uh, so here's the question. Okay. Is Derek Jeter, mm-hmm. is this going to be a complete corporate account? Or is this going to be Derek Jeter trying, about Derek trying Jeter is corporate. There is no separation. Hold on, hold on. Trying to become Tom Brady. Ooh, wow, 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 Where he he tries to turn himself into a very likable person via social media and Twitter. clearly someone to run his social media account. Correct. You guys don't think Tom Brady makes his own tweets? Not at all. Not one bit. He has never once pressed send in his entire life. (laughs) All right. Derek Jeter, in addition to joining Twitter, also joined Instagram. So he's now officially on Twitter social media like you know, he just he went he went from cold turkey to going mm-hmm. all in yeah probably because someone said you know what Derek like you're missing out on a lot of money by not that's doing exactly this. what it was they yes. were like hey buddy listen you got to get on this you're gonna get so many endorsements yes 100 that's 100 uh, that's what this is next headline here uh Diamondbacks manager Tori Lavulo was Lavulo. <laughs> Lavulo was ejected Sunday uh, after Arizona pitcher Zach Gallen and home plate umpire John Libka disagreed on the strike zone. Libka tried to approach Gallen on the mound during the play. I saw Brandon Gustafson tweeting about this being like it looks like he tries intentionally to get him riled up. Is that what I watched the video yesterday and it was hard to exactly figure out because Lavulo comes in and is like immediately livid mm-hmm. yes well i i just think it's <sighs> what are you doing it, charging the mound exactly the exactly i'm trying to that's the umpire i'm trying to figure out how i want to approach this do i do I... <laughs> you want to approach it just the way you thought of when you, when I, you wondered whether you should that's exactly how you want to approach it what are you doing you're the umpire and you're gonna go out there and you're gonna go and charge the mound and try to start a fight what do you think you're doing this is not about you you're supposed to be the one that that is keeping the order 
and keeping a cool head, and they don't do that at all. Curtis, explain this to me. What is going on with the umpires? It's really bad. It's What it is is they feel the threat of robot umpires lurking. Yes. And so they're going to grip even tighter on their their stranglehold of of the order of baseball. That's what it is. That's entirely what it is. Well, do you think a lot of it is also the strength of their union, but also that there's just an ego that comes with being an MLB umpire that isn't necessarily something that comes with other refereeing jobs? I think there is is a level of true. Because I, I feel like Major League Baseball umpires and NFL referees are the most well-known amongst sports fans. Like, people know who Joe West is, Mm -hmm. even though he retired last year. But people know who C.B. Buckner is and Angel Hernandez. Yeah. I think some of these guys do kind of play into that heel role. Angel Hernandez, definitely. Oh, no question. No question. But it's just, it's one of those things, though, that it's coming from more than one, right? So... It's getting to the point where Major League Baseball is going to have to, at some point, address this. They have to fix this. I mean, this is this, this is absolutely insane. And I know the umpires' union and, and all these other things that everybody will throw at me, but the, this that type of behavior, to me, is completely unacceptable. Unacceptable. Whatsoever. Like, I just... I saw somebody say... Uh, I'm so annoyed by this. It was... They were like... The umpires union is the only union I'll root against. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> seriously. Next story here. The New York Times' James Wagner has written a feature on baseball players' love for cologne and perfume. This is an excerpt featuring Big one and what? only Seattle Mariners third baseman Eugenio Suarez. He says, if I don't have perfume on, I feel strange. Even though it sounds crazy, I feel like I haven't taken a shower if I don't spray perfume on, perfume on before playing. And then parentheses, editor's note, Suarez, 30, clarified he does actually shower. Now, this sounds absurd at face value, but Mm -hmm. having covered the Mariners for, this is what, my seventh or eighth season, uh, you tend to stand in close proximity to a lot of the players. Some of them are quite pungent with the perfume and with the cologne. Uh, Really? Nelson Cruz, chief among them. Robinson Cano, another one that would uh, lather it up. Obviously, hearing from Eugenio Suarez, uh, there there are a few guys that have really been liberal in their use of cologne and perfume. <laughs> I well, do the, football the, players put on a lot of cologne before they play? Never. Well, you just get so sweaty. Never. Like you, you can't hide the sweat. Yeah. Like there, there, there's no there's no way that you could do that with baseball. Yeah, you could do that. I don't. You don't sweat nearly as much. I mean, I know I see guys they they do, especially in the summer. But like. You can mask that a little bit more because it wears on your clothing, right? With football, you've got pads over, and you're sweating through all of it. Like, there's no amount of cologne. Like, what you're going to do is you're going to cause a just a horrible combination. combination of smells that just, it's going to backfire on you completely. And baseball, yeah, you could probably get away with I also love the culture difference with, with Eugenio Suarez saying perfume rather than cologne, right? Like... <laughs> Um, but it's, yeah, I learned some spice bomb. Yeah. I mean, I guess I hope it is perfume. Yeah. I hope <laughs> what's uh, the, uh, it's what's just the one that completely different culture than girls football. in high school would wear. Oh, love spell. That's a yeah. body oh spray my gosh. or an eau de toilette. 
Not a perfume. Uh, love spray is like love the spell. It is the. It takes me back to middle school. I definitely had it. <laughs> yeah. I probably had like if you think of a bottles. time, just think of any time in your life. Yeah, and there's a and smell. You'll smell that. Oh, it is still so strong. Yeah, it is in my in my brain. Like oh my god, I know gosh. it kind of makes me nauseous. When it I does think about it because it was just not only did I wear it, but you just smelled it in the hallways. It just it really had. a How moment. much did they put on though? Like, is it? Oh, is, was I've, it was it that strong, or were, were girls just putting a, it yes, just all over yes, their body? You because create a cloud when you're young, oh. men and women, you don't know how to wear fragrance yet, and you you spray it all over. You spray a giant cloud and walk <laughs> through it. You spray it all over yourself. I was watching a TV show yesterday where this guy was getting ready for a wedding, and he sprayed cologne mm-hmm. like. He did like 10 sprays. I am telling you, you sir. need... Sir. <laughs> what? I am telling you, you need a fraction as much fragrance as you think you do. Yeah. It shouldn't... I should not be able to smell you from, from four feet away. My One of my wife's superpowers is her sense of smell. Like, I can't put on more than one spray of cologne. Like, and, and quite frankly, you shouldn't. But like, if, if I did more than that, it would just be like completely overwhelming to her senses. Mm-hmm. Uh where I don't know how she survived middle school because obviously we grew up in the it's same era. Time. Like I don't like I think about that time and it's probably why I have so many migraines to this day. You know, like my brain has just been <laughs> just fried, fried. You know, you you have uh, painters, you, you know, people that work in homes where you know the paint and all and they that still they're smell around it. it. I still smell when I smell chlorine. Them. I yeah. just like think of swim like the oh. smell still brings back a memory. Gosh. Uh, last story here, Red Sox announcers Dave O'Brien and Dennis Eckersley were not following analyst Kevin Miller's use of the word drip. Very, very confused here. <laughs> no, it's all about drip now. We're going to have it in our back pocket because that's what they do in the show. The drip? It's a drip. It's a swag. Uh, whatever you want to Yeah, I'm like, what? Just play. So, so what the boys are saying is... That's swag. That's that's slang for swag. That's what that yeah, is. Yeah, drip is like, yeah, I'm going to teach you this. So oh, drip. drip it, okay. Yeah. Dad, I got drip because Verdugo and Story, they got these things in their back pocket well, along with 80% of the other biglers. Everybody has that sliding mitten. They get to first yeah. base. They put on stuff. If you're a first base coach, you need a wheelbarrow these days. <laughs> that's ball four. So Verdugo is I on. I am so uncool right now. It's I beyond you got drip. Gotta hang out you got with drip him. mustache. No. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that it's not really the most correct definition no, of drip. But, but he feels <laughs> like it is. It, He's he like, I'm the expert here. And yeah. then, like, Moore's and the only then, one that I'm, has kids young enough yes, to be saying but that. But then even then even he doesn't. Like, even then he's like, I, I mean, know. I think it's the same as swag, which is like. Not yeah, really. It, it's like when Stacy tries to say mid with my Gen Z kings and queens. Oh man, my uh, oh by the way, my nephew, my nephew Luke pulled that out the other day in just casual conversation. He was like, "Oh, that's so mid," and I was like, "Boy, Tough this stuff. did you feel this 90? gives me anxiety because I am old and I can't believe that I one that I knew that because yeah. of our conversation and two uh, that." There's no way that I could pull that off in a sentence. No way. All right. Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims joins us next. This is The Dugout. You're listening to The Dugout. Every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. All right. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it's Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims. Dave, how's it going? 
I'm doing well. What's going on, gang? How you doing? Uh, we are feeling great after a series win against the Astros. Obviously, it wasn't exactly the finale we all wanted, but uh, Dave, it was wonderful to see the back get going, especially for Kyle Lewis. What would you see from him? Wow. That, he's, that was Kyle Lewis from a couple of years ago. I mean, it was great. And, uh, you know, he brings he brings so much to the table when he's out there. Uh, and he's going to be, as you know, he's going to be doing mainly DH. He's got tremendous power, and I loved how he was, he and the entire team during that series, uh, they were in full attack mode, so there was a lot to like there. It, it certainly was, and David, how impressive is it to you that, that Kyle is doing this while also, you know, it's it's obvious as he runs the Bates pass that he is being very cautious with that knee and, and everything else, that he is still able to swing the bat the way that he is right now. Well, it's a great asset. He's a smart kid, and, you know, he knows that, his value is being able to post as often as possible and keep him in the DH spot. And it's, um, you know, it, it's a joy to have him back. I know he's thrilled. I talked to him, talked to his mom and dad. Uh, that kid has put in. He's gone through a lot, and he's survived a lot. And, and as we push forward, I think uh, you know, he's going to be a tremendous, tremendous add-on to this club. Well, Dave, you know, you, you look at the two games, and obviously a lot of the focus is going to go to the offense and going back-to-back 10-hit games and, how fun those games really were, uh, they steal the show. But, I mean, the pitching was fantastic, even even in the game with Marco. How big is that for the Mariners to have their starting pitchers not only pitch well but go deep into games? Well, yeah, I mean, it's self-explanatory. I mean, you got to have – you want your starters. I mean, Marco goes seven and a third. Logan goes seven. Flexing went seven. I mean, if he could have that every night, you know, the world would be pretty doggone perfect. Uh, it takes a little – obviously, takes pressure off the bullpen – Builds confidence in everybody, and you like to see your starters go out there. I know I'm old school. I like it when uh, the starters are, are good and they can go seven or eight innings for you, and, and then you take it from there. But uh, no, it's all good in that regard. I tell you though, this going to be this is going to be an interesting series here uh, with the Baltimore Orioles. That you know they're not. You look at their their record at 21 and 29, but they just come out of a 15 game stretch where they went seven and eight against good clubs, the Yankees and Tampa Bay and Boston. And uh, they're they're feeling pretty good about themselves. I was just talking to their manager Brandon Hyde a few minutes ago. So, I think both teams look at each other. They look at the record. Say, hey, wait a minute, we can beat these guys. Right. I think a service who we spoke to just a bit earlier was alluding to that, Dave. Just the idea of like, hey, don't don't look at it as like this is an easy club. They've given other no. teams fits, and and they've got some guys. They just brought up their number one draft pick from a while ago. So, uh, if you look at you know this club and then Seattle, what are going to be you know maybe one or two keys for Seattle? specifically in this series against Baltimore? Well, for me, as I look back at the last couple of box scores here, I uh, need some runners in scoring position batting. I mean, uh, one for six against the Astros on Sunday, Saturday, three for 17, 0 for eight on Friday. Uh, you got to get rolling here. They were one for seven again in that last game against the A's. I think uh, the clutch hitting, uh, they got to pick that up. They're 14th in Major League Baseball. I know for a good part of last year they were in the top ten. So you'd love to see, you'd love to see them get back into that category right there. Uh, Dave, you certainly would, and it's something that we're all going to be watching for. Uh, one of the things that has been absolutely incredible, I mean, you could look at a couple individual performances, but I want to start with Ty France. I mean, how special has this season been for him, and uh, you know, what has been some of the things that have impressed you the most about his season thus far? Well, how about everything? I mean, uh, the guy can. <laughs> That's you know, a good the start. Guy goes, the, the guy goes line to line. You know, he can, in clutch situations, he puts the ball in play and hard. You know, he's hit a few balls out, but the most consistent thing is is that he gets his bat on the ball, and and he finds he finds areas to pitch. I mean, so many times we've seen recently, 
you know, fastball middle away or away, and he slaps it hard into right field or through the four hole. I mean, it's it. You know, you're talking about one of the best hitters in the game right now, and it's you know he's with it's with our ball club. We won't see Robbie Ray tonight, though he will pitch uh, in this series. Dave, he's had such a weird year where he's had a ton of great innings, solid innings, and then every game he seems to just have one inning where things kind of fall apart. I mean, when you look at him, is this something where you could have seen glimpses of that during his Cy Young season? Is it something that will even out? I mean, What's your outlook for Robbie Ray for this year? Uh, he'll be fine. He'll yeah. be fine. I, I think it's it, he's, he's too good. He's too experienced. And uh, – Believe me, he he's well aware of that the one inning thing, and I, you know he's working his way through it. And the walks, I mean, they've generally materialized coming off of walks, and then maybe a base hit. Then you get in there, and next thing you know, you get traffic out there, and then things happen. So, I think uh, you know, bearing down with a couple of, with people on base, etc. That's going to be something that he'll be focusing on a lot more. I, I think that. Uh, he he's a super talented kid, so I, I don't I don't really worry about him. Uh, Dave, uh, a new adjustment in the lineup that uh, has been interesting to watch unfold has been Jesse Winker moving up to the to the top spot, the number one spot. Uh, what have you made of what have you what do you make of that move? And uh, you know how do you think Jesse Winker has done uh, so far being in that that number well, one spot? It's, it's not a foreign thing. Uh, I know when I that happened last week, and he was in the in the leadoff spot, and I was like. Dude, how do you feel about leading off? He says, I've let off a bunch before. It's just baseball. So I you know, checked the numbers, and sure enough, he had 116 games as a leadoff man with Cincinnati. And that number had escaped me uh, prior to uh, this change. So, you know, it, I, I think with this hot weather coming on, I'm looking for real upticks in offense and productivity from, from Suarez, from Winker. I, these, these guys have too good of numbers on the back of the baseball card. You know, to be lingering in the you know the areas where they are right now. So, I, I think that'll pick up because he. If you look at, I remember seeing highlights of uh, Winker last year. It seemed like every time there was a big situation at first. I think he missed a lot of the last month, but it seemed like every time there was a big spot, he came up big with a you know a gapper, a home run. I mean, he hit twenty four homers, seventy one ribbies last year. So, I think uh, I think he can get back to that number. He's still got plenty of time to do that. Hey, Dave, one of the sentiments I always hear is, you know, the offense has too much talent to be struggling the way it did in May, and eventually it'll kind of pick up, which you obviously alluded to there with uh, with Winker. But I've also heard on the flip side that maybe the real issue is with the bullpen and that people are kind of overlooking some question marks with the bullpen because of those bad games from the offense as a whole. Is that kind of how you see the squad right now? What? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, you know, we talk to Scott about it all the time. Yeah. You know, last year... When there was a lead or a tie, it stayed that way when you brought guys in from the bullpen. That hasn't been been the case uh, this year. And, you know, looking for improvement, you've, you've got personnel changes. you got some guys who are down. I mean, Swanee's not here. Giles never even made it yet. Hopefully he'll be back in a month. Uh, you know, losing Sadler, who was just tremendous in his role coming in. Uh, second rider working on getting back to where he was with the secondary pitches, I think uh, hopefully all of that will come together before long. But that uh, that definitely has been a factor. Yeah. All right. He is Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims joining us for a preview of this series and a look back at the Mariners' May on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Dave, thanks so much for taking the time. You bet, gang. Thanks. Be yeah. well. Thanks, Dave.
You're listening to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. This is the dugout. We're going to wrap things up with Shannon Dreher. Kyle Lewis not in the lineup today. I'm going to start by asking her uh, when we might be able to expect him back or if there's anything to worry about. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dugout, every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. This is The Dugout, and joining us now is Shannon Dreyer on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. As a reminder, our conversation with Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer is powered by Pacific Lamp and Supply. Shannon, how's it going? Stacy, it's very warm here, and I just looked at the weather, and everywhere we go, it's going to be 95 degrees. Ew. So. Other than that, everything's just yeah. great. Other than being in sweltering heat, I'm fantastic. Hey, uh, Shannon, <laughs> looking at the lineup here, no Kyle Lewis. What's the latest? Yeah, uh, Scott Service is going to talk to the media about that in a couple of minutes, and I know that there was a lot of uh, interest and some, I think, outrage that he wasn't used as a pinch hitter in Sunday's game. And after the game, Scott Service said that he was unavailable. And when a manager says a player is unavailable, that means that he has been told that player cannot be used. And and there is uh, usually something medical behind that. And it turns out uh, they are evaluating. You might remember on Saturday, Kyle Lewis was hit by a pitch, Mm -hmm. and uh, it looked like it kind of bounced off his shoulder and up into the helmet a little bit. They're actually uh, evaluating concussion protocol with him right now, and there is a possibility that he could be placed on the concussion IL, which is a seven-day IL, but they could backdate it to Saturday. So really not sure where that stands right now, but that is a little bit of information that we didn't have on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, if any everyone was hoping that Kyle Lewis would be out there and playing, it is it is unfortunate news uh, because you saw obviously how much he impacted the lineup, Shannon. When you have his bat in there, uh, you know what what does he provide to this team? It just it, being there on Saturday, it just seemed like the energy was different with him out there in the lineup. He provides a threat, and, you know, I am still trying to assess what he is as a big league player at the big league level because we haven't seen very much of that. We did see him, you know, he did win Rookie of the Year, but it was a two-month season. One month absolutely stellar. The other one was not one to write home about, and so you know that he can do that for one month. You remember when he first came up and homered in back-to-back-to-back games, and and it's like, oh, here he goes. But, you know, he has had some roller coasters and some ups and downs and really felt after his rookie in quote season that had there been another month he was about ready to take off again so I would just like to see him when he is physically ready and you have to take into consideration that they brought him back he's not a hundred percent if he was a hundred percent you'd be seeing him in the outfield and that's not even a possibility right now he is going to have days off there are going to be days where they cannot play him so you know this was the first time that we saw him not being used in a game and at that time the thought was it was because it was one of those days off and if it was you have to bear in mind that they're not going to just throw him out there if he hasn't gone through all of his normal warm-ups and his day offs are going to be complete days off so let's keep that in mind especially in the early going give him a chance to get back to you know as close to what he was physically as you possibly can because what he is in that lineup is a threat and he has i think every pitcher and every manager on the other side knows that and will adjust and attack him and the rest of the lineup accordingly when he is in it. Are you seeing uh, adjustments from Jesse Winker or any improvements from him? Because I think that he's probably the name most Mariners fans would tell you has been most disappointing in terms of expectation versus production this year. 
I think we've seen a lot of survival from him in trying to get back to what he is. And the move from putting him in the leadoff spot right now is get him in a comfortable spot. Maybe something comes back to him. Maybe he loosens up a little bit. And I think that as you get uh, the Kyle Lewis's back and as Julio Rodriguez takes off and J.P. Crawford had a little bit of a slump and is coming back, hopefully that takes some of the pressure off of him because it's a tough thing coming over to a new team when they trade for you and your expectations are as high as they are and they should be because jesse winker has done it at the big league level but uh yeah there have been some adjustments that have been made but it's on all fronts it's everything from the swing to the mindset to the approach to where he hits in the order and a lot of effort being put into getting him back on track shannon who i mean the answer could be all of them in this series but who are you really looking uh, for in terms of the starting pitching rotation to really have a big outing uh against the orioles well, we'd like to see Robbie Ray have a big outing without the big inning. You know, that is something that I think that when he gets there, I think we, we hopefully look at what has happened in these first two months as something that is in the past. So I think that that is important for the entire season. I think he needs to see it as well. I mean, after games, he's everything's okay except for this. I feel so close. But, you know, he's going to look up. He's going to see the numbers. He's going to see guys around him putting up better numbers. He's going to want to be there too. So you hope that he is able to get that adjusted. I'm very interested to see what we see from George Kirby tonight. He's hanging in there. Uh, you, you take a look at, you know, it's not easy breaking in as a pitcher, and we've seen you know him and Matt Brash come up and have that big, huge first outing, and then a little bit of a step back, but all of that is about adjustments, and so far, you know, Kirby is hanging in there with him. He's uh, able to stay in the games. You haven't had to go out and get him in the second inning, knock on wood right now, and, and things like that, and that he was has been able to survive with the command and the fastball, but you know, you want to see him a little bit sharper with those secondary pitches and able to uh, get outs a little bit sooner in counts, able to get a little bit deeper in ball games and not have the innings. He's, he's actually pitched pretty well, a little bit better than what his numbers are showing right now, but you want to continue to see progress there. Shannon, you mentioned uh, a little over a month ago at this point, maybe longer, that uh, the offense struggling was taking attention away from some real concerns with the bullpen and that that <laughs> might be the real issue with this team moving forward. Lo and behold, that ends up uh, costing them in a series against the Red Sox and kind of reared its head throughout that road trip. How do you see that group, the bullpen, right now? Well, I think that, you know, you are looking, you are crossing your fingers and hoping that Diego Castillo, we've seen some good outings for him, and you're hoping that you see that consistency from him. And I'll even take just results at this point. If it has to be a roller coaster, it has to be a roller coaster. But a lot of this is personnel-based, and we've talked about it throughout the season. Casey Sadler isn't coming back, so who's that guy that's going to step up? They've used Sergio Romo in a lot of those bridge innings, and uh, there are runs that score, and then they're not doing great right now with keeping the inherited runners on base, particularly when the starter's coming out of a game. And then you've seen some players absolutely blow up, and they're not here right now. You hope that Drew Steckenrider is down in AAA right now, getting things worked out so he can come back and get uh, you know effective again. He was a huge part of what they did last year. And we hear about Ken Giles getting closer. So I think that the biggest thing that you're going to see, uh, the biggest help that you're going to have for them until you get closer to the trade deadline are these players that are coming back. And hopefully Giles can contribute. Hopefully Steckenrider gets right and comes back. Uh, we're getting to see Matt Festa again, and hopefully what he's doing is for real. He has made some changes. He looked great in April before getting hurt again. Uh, Eric Swanson, you hope that he's not too far off at this point, but it's, um, you know, it's been a, it's been tough for that group out there, and uh, I do like that we're seeing the moves a little bit quicker when you see guys 
falter as badly as they did in the month of May. Just didn't know what your options, I think, were at that point, and some have emerged. Penn Murphy has been fantastic for them, and he came through in a time that was needed. So uh, I think it's going to be up and down a little bit, but hopefully, hopefully the starting pitching continues to do something. I don't expect them to throw three games, allowing you know the Astros just three runs over a series the entire time, but the deeper they can get into games, the more that's going to help that pen as well. She is Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer giving us an update here on Kyle Lewis and an outlook on the bullpen joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Shannon, try to stay cool and uh, and at least enjoy enough of your time there on the East Coast covering this team. We'll do our best. <laughs> See ya. See you, Shannon. All right. This has been the Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Don't forget the Dugout is every single Tuesday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. All Mariners, and it always begins with the Scott Service Show, and uh, we'll always get some insight there from some Mariners insiders. Thank you again to our guests, Shannon Dreyer, Dave Sims, and, of course, Scott Service. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming your way next.